Hello and welcome to A Star to Steer Her By, a Star Trek podcast. My name is Caitlin and with me today are... Jake. Chris. And Ames. And we're here on episode 195 to talk about, surprise, surprise, two episodes of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Those episodes are Looking for Parmach in All the Wrong Places and Nor the Battle to the Strong. In Looking for Parmach in All the Wrong Places, Quark's ex-wife, Grilka, is visiting Ah. Deep Space Nine. And really strangely, she's asking Quark for help, but also seems kind of DTF. Speaking of DTF, Worf sees her arrive, declares her to be glorious, and immediately (laughs) decides he's going to pursue the shit out of her. Dax is like, what the fuck? Boys! Um, you idiot. The thing is, she wasn't very boys this episode. No, she was, she was actually super very, good now. pretty subtle and awesome. I fall in love more with Dax like yeah. every episode well, these days. Both the episodes just... this week, I think like we are at the level of Dax that I'm glad we've hit. because We have achieved peak Dax. Yeah, you know, she's doing She's doing a great job. Yeah, I'm very um, happy with her. Very quickly, just to get it out of the way, the B-plot <laughs> in this episode <laughs> is that Miles O'Brien and Kira Norris seem to be getting some fee-fees for each other, mostly because O'Brien is always giving her, like, ankle and neck massages and helping her out of tubs and shit. Gross. Plus, you know, like, she's pregnant. I mean, I, I, and I'm not just being, like, whatever, misogyni- misogynistic, chauvinistic, but, like, pregnancy fucks with your hormones big time, and I kind of feel like the only way Kira Norris would ever start developing these kinds of feelings for O'Brien okay, would be if she that. was, like, super drunk or super pregnant. And we know she's super pregnant. She might also um, be super drunk. I mean, yeah, she who does, knows? She, she, she did want to play racquetball and, like, mm. s- rappel down. No, Keith Keiko was the one who wanted to do some rappelling. Well, anyway, O'Brien is ra- rappelling enough for everybody. Aww. Yeah, that's right. They missed, but, but they really missed an amazing joke opportunity in this episode where, where he Curly could have walked up to her and be like, so you want a little O'Brien inside, Jay? And then she could be like, I already do. Quick, someone write into Lower Decks. Oh, Yikes. God. <laughs> so anyway, they kind of realize at the exact same moment that Fifi's are happening. So they start trying to like avoid each other a little bit. But Keiko, that naive, sweet creature, Seriously. keeps being like, don't worry about it. Why don't you guys go have sex? It'll help, you know, take away some of her labor pains or something. Maybe it'll make the baby come faster. Yikes. So anyway, not exactly, but she's like, go give her a neck massage, your famous O'Brien neck massage. And I was like, I don't believe that. But then I think they're really good at mashing potatoes, probably. And that's kind of the same thing. Oh, my God. Uh, wow. <laughs> anyway, Irish jokes aside, <laughs> um, <laughs> they wind up like Keiko almost basically forces O'Brien to accompany Kira on a trip she's trying to take to Bajor to basically get away from her feelings. And it sort of seems like they both kind of have this wistful, like maybe in another lifetime kind of moment. Gross. And like, Never. it was kind no of sweet. Lifetimes. 
It was, yeah, it was kind of sweet, but I think the, the best thing to come out of that whole thing is the scene where Odo is like, oh, he's miles now, and <laughs> fucking Odo serves up some A-plus quality snark. We can get more into that a little later. Anyway, back to Klingons. Yeah! So, Worf is like, I'm gonna try to get in with Grilka, and her butler is like, you're fucking a houseless, honorless bitch. Thanks, but no thanks. And we get into a sort of almost like Cyrano de Bergerac situation where, and actually, we'll get more into this too. It didn't quite go how I expected, but remind me to go back to that later. Um, And so instead of like listening behind a door and whispering shit to Quark, Quark is doing all the right stuff and Grok is into it, but uh, her bodyguard, Thopak, is super not into it because, Mm -hmm. you know, Ferengi are parasites. And so, according to Klingons. So he's like, Quark, we're going to fight because I'm going to kill you because this is a perfect woman and you can't have her. And Quark and Worf, after a beautiful, brilliant idea from Dax, don some like brain transceiver, brainwave transceiver, transceiver mabobs. The and machine. Yeah. Yeah. And so Klingon, uh, Klingon, yes, Klingon, the Worf, <laughs> Worf <laughs> does the Batleth fighting against Thopak. For Quark, and then Quark's body does the things. I'm gesturing wildly for everybody who's not listening to this podcast right now, I guess. Quark wins, and he and Grilka get down to down to clown. Ow, ow. And at the same, Very violent fucking. And Worf is like, wah, wah, Grilka. And Dax is like, fine, I'll get take this into my own fucking hands. And we see a mirror of the weird arm wrestling neck choking situation and Worf and Dax finally do the bone and Julian has uh, the distinct pleasure of seeing them post pleasure all ripped up and needing medical care I think that's the end yeah that's the end yeah Yeah. instead of just all gone gone to the med bay apart (laughs) instead of together so that Julian (laughs) wouldn't pick up on it right away (laughs) I mean he's bound by HIPAA you know he can't say shit is there still HIPAA? I feel like we've seen doctors in Starfleet just spill the beans on all their fucking patients already, so... so I, I, well, I, that was I, probably mostly Bones, and he was a drunk. <laughs> well, no, Crusher did it a lot, too. <laughs> oh, did she? But I remember... I don't know if we did it on air, but because we were complaining about it so much, I looked it up once, and HIPAA didn't actually exist in its current form before 1995. Oh. So I don't know what, if any, privacy rules existed before then. <laughs> I think there probably had to have been something a HIPAA equivalent. Yeah, but the, they, they probably rewrote it or changed it, or maybe they codified something that had only been on the state level before. I don't know. But does Crusher kind of mostly just blab to Picard, though? Because there might be some kind of rules about the captain needing to know maybe certain. I mean, yeah, the captain needs to know who's fucking who. <laughs> well, I here's just, the like, thing. I don't care if Julian's bound by HIPAA. You know he's telling Garrick, and then the whole station's gonna find out. As if out. Garrick doesn't already know. Yeah, Garrick True. knows. Garrick was taking pictures. He was like, just in case I need some blackmail someday. But yeah. Speaking yeah. of Garrick. Everyone th- goes to Bone Town. This episode was directed oh, yeah. by Andrew Watt Robinson, which is pretty That's lovely. Right. I think he did a swell job. I forgot yeah. that when I said that. And you told me, it told us it. at the told, I did. Yes, you told me that at the beginning of the episode. Yeah, yeah, this, this is, is our, uh, this our is tops. Yeah, our first director from a recurring character of the show. Mm. And I guess Robinson came to uh oh, no, Berman. Didn't Odo? Oh, recurring. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Not not a main character. Yeah, and I guess Robinson came to Berman after he had just won a couple LA Drama Critics Circle Awards 
Mm, yeah. To say like, hey, since I just won these awards, uh, you know I'm a good director, right? Mm. Love it. Good. Yeah, I thought he did a great job. Yeah, I thought so too. And you know, this this episode is, you know, for one of the more lighthearted comedy kind of episodes, A, it like it has big implications for the rest of the series. Mm. Yeah. Uh and it's also pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, it's very pretty good. Solid show. Especially because it involves Quark and like a romantic chase. It had the, I think, had the chance of being really shitty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, they're, they're, they dodged, I think, a lot of potential bullets in terms of like making this really gross. Yeah. I mean, they could yeah. have made it like like very more akin to a Cyrano de Bergerac, which is something I guess Michael Dorn had brought up to the writer saying like, I want to do a Cyrano de Bergerac show at some point. In which he would have been the Cyrano character, but they kind of flip flopped it when it made more sense for that to be Quark, mm. or fl- or I don't know which one is which, whichever one. I thought um, Cyrano was the ugly one getting the yeah. giving the advice, right, or whatever. Well, whichever whichever way, like this was Dorn's idea, and it could have been really stupid, but they actually made it in a way that you know it's not it's never distractingly silly. Yeah. Like, it's funny. Like, there are elements that are very funny. Like, you know, Quark learning the reenactment of whatever the battle was where Kalis and Lucara hook up. Yeah. It's funny, but it's also very cute. Yeah. I, I think what helps is that they treated his interest in her seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and so that helped sort of ground it a little. Like, this wasn't just a, like, he, he seems to be really quite into her. You know, in and, the and, beginning, though, I feel like he was just trying to get her into bed. Yeah, but I, as time went on, like I don't know what it was, but he, you know, and what was really interesting, what I liked was especially where uh, he he goes, she, he says to me, you know, when I see things I want to acquire, Ugh, you sound like a Ferengi again. He's like, well, I am a Ferengi, mm. and then follows that up with, you know, you're worth more than all the Latinum in the quadrant, and you know, she understands, you know, you see in her face, she gets that from a Ferengi. That's a very serious compliment. Yeah. This is his way of being romantic. That's actually very sweet. Yeah, it's like, I've been doing all this stuff that you understand. Now let me put it in my terms, for God's sake, because... <laughs> yeah, I felt like it was a little 50-50 at times, because mm. I felt like he... Quark kind of was, like, making fun of the customs when he wasn't with her type of stuff. Yeah. And at some point I was like, this is a lot of work to go through just to get laid. Quark's quite a ladies' man. I'm just saying. I'm sure Grilka's not his only his only offer. But yeah, I, I definitely agree that they did seem to sort of form a a legit bond. Yeah, because even by the time the, her in her last appearance, you know, you feel like there's a part of them that was kind of like. Eh, eh. Uh, so she could she, be worse. She came to him for what? Because her house's finances were funny. Is that what? The Pretty deal much, was? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she was like losing money because of the the uh, war. Yeah, the war. Uh-huh. You need a Ferengi's eye on this. Yep. She says, I know one of those. (laughs) Yeah. She couldn't ask directly. It's like, I get what you're at. Give me the fucking books. Just give me that. Yeah. And that's very cute. Well, I mean, in like, he was also the one, you know, in the last episode, he's the one that figured out that there was financial improprieties that that led to her problems in that episode. Yeah. Or really, no, what was it? It was the, it was the, the, the the rival had done a bunch of shady shit. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, He, he, I mean, it had been math. How could you? Yeah, yeah, he used, uh, like you said, Jake, it was definitely financial skullduggery. Yeah. Skullduggery. Um, um, but, 
so yeah, I mean that that's the thing. Like War or uh, Quark has certain talents, which are useful to mm-hmm. Grilka, but Worf has other talents that are useful to Quark. Yeah, in this <laughs> instance. Yeah, like I give Shiverman a lot of credit because he learned the Batleth for this episode, mm. which is awesome. Yeah, that is great. Yeah, which I'm assuming is an art form that that Michael Dorn probably mostly invented. Yeah, I was thinking you know, that actually. And, the, and I'm sure the fight choreographer. Yeah, well, yeah. obviously, yeah, I'm sure he and the fight choreographer kind of worked out like, okay, this is what That's what it, it looks did. like. This is the you know these are the the moves that you do. And, yeah, but it was definitely designed around Dorn. Yeah, mm. since he would have been. It's kind of like how they let Dewan make up some random Klingon one yeah. day, and they had to build around what he'd done. It makes me wonder. So when they're using their, what do they call it? The virtual control device. Worf is several feet taller than Quark. I, I mentioned that. It must have been so surreal to suddenly lose a couple of feet. Yeah. How did, I'm wondering, how did it though, work? if like, if, like, what is he seeing in the, mm. in what the virtual feel, reality? He never feels I wondered like, that, too. He never feels the impact. How is well, I'm, he? Well, I'm wondering if maybe he does. Like, if, I'm guessing that there's feedback that he's getting fed something from Quark's unit. Like, hmm. so... Well, he I must be seeing through Quark's see, eyes, right? Yeah, he's seeing what Quark is seeing, and he's probably also feeling the muscle contractions. I yeah, don't know. but he must he must also know, like, my arm span is different from Quark's arm span. I think Quark makes a joke saying, my arms are too short for this, or something like that. Yeah. Like, how does that even work? If Worf thinks I'm hitting you, but he's, like, a couple inches shy. Well, what, if the, what if the whole virtual environment is scaled to be you know quark size so like so like instead of seeing you know the klingon being relatively the same height as wharf maybe Worf sees the klingon being the relative size of the klingon yeah, from maybe. Quark's perspective yeah no, that's what i mean but he must have lost a few feet and been like Ugh. he's like this must be what it feels like to be a little bitch like alexander <laughs> 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 yes yeah, I just know that Ronald D. Moore purposely didn't bother explaining how the thing worked because, yeah. A, it's not entirely necessary because, you know, no one's ever distract, like, distracted enough to be like, this has taken me out of the episode. Yeah, uh, what it's I'm doing. upset. This is, this is not the weirdest thing we've seen in Trek. <laughs> no, we've seen Pup. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. Um, and yeah, we saw, uh, I think the first time we've seen uh, Quark in a traditional Ferengi head thing. Yeah. Whatever yeah, those are just, called. Just to hide the hide yeah, the device. The... I thought um, the costume that Dax was wearing as in the Lady Lucara cross like um what word am I looking for? Cosplay? Cosplay. I almost said crossplay, that was wrong. I thought it looked stupid. I thought she well, carried it off well. I think it was supposed to be authentic, well, right? It's like it's like yeah. a she yeah. was dressed as Lakura. Because Grilka was wearing the same outfit yeah, yeah. I just in think the following it's... scene. I just think it's not a very intuitive attire to be wearing as someone who's about to go into battle at any moment. True. Maybe, who knows, maybe it's less what she actually wore and more what's traditionally used in, like, recreations. Mm. You know, it's like, this is the Shakespeare version. Yeah, and we're also talking about an event that was, yeah, centuries ago. Yeah, and I'm sure it's come come, come down down the the pipeline for many, many years, and people have... Put it they up also, on a uh, they did, they did heavier, uh, sort of not smoky, but they did heavier eye makeup on her in that scene. I thought that looked really good. 
On yeah. Dax? Chris actually commented. He was like, I really like Dax's makeup. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, they, they gave her, like, really much heavier eyeliner than usual on both ends. And it just, uh, I don't know. It was a good look. That's cool. So, yeah, this was, um, so this is the, the moment when Dax and Worf hook up. Oh, yep. Finally. Finally. Worf was blind it, to it this entire time. Yeah, be which like, is hey, interesting. Hey, I'm right, right here, <laughs> naked in front of you. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, he would have he would have to woman. be blind not to notice. And Dax is like, yeah, fucking tell me about it, bud. <laughs> <laughs> Dense bastard. I like that we jumped right into marriage talk right after. As well, he did the same. He did the same thing with yeah. Kalar. I know. I know. I know. Right? Oh, we, we have to say the words. Shut the fuck up. I like that Dax was like, let's see how it goes, and hmm. Worf was like, no. I also like that <laughs> Dax just keeps schooling Worf on mm. what it is to be a Klingon, because he doesn't fucking know. He was raised well, by, by Russians. Well, this is the episode where, you know, someone, aside from us, calls him on it. Yeah, you know, where it's it was like, great. You're basically a Catholic Klingon. Mm-hmm. You know, you're a Klingon raised by humans who works in Starfleet. You're a bundle of contradictions. That's all right. I like a man who's full of contradictions, mm. yeah. says Dax. Yes. Yeah, it's very Which is like character. the weirdest fucking thing I've ever heard. I think more than anything, though, what this episode has proven is that Worf shouldn't be a warrior. What should he, he do? Sh- he should be some sort of artist. He was singing on the Defiant <laughs> Bridge. He was like directing Quark like, no, no, no. You say the words, but there's no passion. It's like... Worf, you're supposed to be playing a little squeeze box like that uh, chef we had for a couple episodes and singing and like that's a historian. He's studying the history very obviously. That's what makes more sense for him. He should be like he might be a good poet. Yeah, cat, get out of here. Like he should be an artist. Not it makes sense. A lover, not a fighter. Yeah, you know he understands the culture on paper. You know all the traditional. He he could you know. He'd be great at that stuff. I think he's proven it time and again. Also, I do love the idea that he lives in the car, and when no one's around, he just blasts his music just, on yeah, the bridge. Yeah, he just hangs out in the front seat. And he's like, what are you doing here? Not in your I quarters. Bet, I bet the sound system is fucking amazing, Oh, probably. Too. Yeah, so question about Worf, because, you know, he's, he is still in a house with no honor, but just the other week, he fucking saved Gowron from changeling Martok. Oh, did yeah. that mean nothing to them? Yes. Well, well, yeah, it did, because yeah, Gowron was like, you're still a bitch, Worf. Oh, Should have killed me when you had the chance, Charles. Yeah. That's kind of the, that's kind of the MO, right? Like, even, like, and the fact that they're even still at war with the Klingons, technically. Yeah. Well, um, Gowron said, we can't pull out, we'd look like, you know, pussies. Exactly. So, like, there's, there's definitely a, a whole thing, especially with Gowron, I think, that is, okay, we... We can never admit that we were wrong, and, you know, we'll just have to see things through. Gowron and all Klingons are like Fonzie. He really, no, he really, Gowron really is the Klingon Trump. Mm. Like, I think the character of Trump has to be based on Gowron. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Uh, Gowron has better hair. Gowron has better everything. More believable eyes. <laughs> His makeup is way more subtle, Gowron's. So. <laughs> say, more natural. I say, Cr- Trump is kind of like a TOS Klingon in that regard, isn't he? Kinda. Yeah, he's got way too much bronzer on. They haven't wow. quite figured out the characters yet, so 
you know, they're all a little different, each one you see. Yeah, Is he did. a white supremacist or not? We haven't really decided. Maybe season three will tell. Jesus. Asshole. No, speaking of, <sighs> of TOS and Klingons, so we see our good friend Thopa, our good friend Tumek again, Grilko's advisor. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, we saw him before. We said, oh yeah, that's Joe Ruskin. He was Galt in Gamesters of Triskelion. Yep. And we said, oh, yeah, he's been in a whole bunch of Trek. And I looked him up, actually. And I know I gave credit a couple weeks ago saying, oh, yeah, Clint Howard's been in, like, every fucking Trek. This guy's been in more. Oh, wow. Wow. Because he was, you know, he was in TOS as Galt. He was in Insurrection as one of the Sona guys. Oh. He's in DS9 here and as the informant that talked to Garrick once. No, Odo. He talked to Odo. Oh, once. he was the faceless. Yeah, he was the the eyes. Oh, he was okay. that guy. Uh, nice. And then we're also going to see him in both Voyager and Enterprise. So he's in everything. Wow, is he well, dead now? He he sadly is dead now, so he can't be in more. He things. can't be in Discovery or. Picard. So Clint Howard still Clint has Howard a chance. still has a chance. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was really awesome. And then also our new friend Thopak, Grilka's bodyguard was also in a previous Trek. I don't know if any of you recognized him because no one fucking would. No. He was one of the Miri kids. No shit. Oh, wow. I know. Isn't that cool? one of the Miri kids show up before? Wait a minute. What's his name? Uh, His name is Phil Morris. Oh, okay. Yes. I knew that. Yes, because I looked him up separately because he's in Doom Patrol. I was like, this guy's familiar. That's what you were telling me. Yeah. I knew what we had just talked about the Miri kids recently. Yeah, he was one of the Miri kids. And why He's else would this. we talk about the Miri kids? Ugh. And the reason he was familiar mm-hmm. to me, though, because, you know, obviously as a kid and as a Klingon, I'm not going to know him, but he's also the guy in Star Trek Three. Yeah, yeah, we see him like, briefly in Three. Yeah, where he's like, they're going to have like a hero's welcome for us, sir, or whatever. He's in that, and we're going to also see him a couple more times. Yep. And also, also, what, what a lot of people probably know him as is Jackie Childs from Seinfeld. Yeah, I just don't oh, know Seinfeld. Oh, so. that's who that, okay. Yep. Oh, right, had, right. I, Cosmo's lawyer, right? Yep. Yeah. Cosmo. Who calls him Cosmo? I meant <laughs> But yeah, he was one of the Miri kids. Hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, he's in a lot of Trek, too. Just usually under makeup or a kid. Yeah, he's going to be a, one, of the, one of the Jem Hadar-named characters pretty soon, too. Oh, mm. cool. Fun stuff. That's awesome. And I think he's in Voyager at some point. Wow. Well, he's pretty Who prolific, isn't? too, in Trek. <laughs> yeah, he is. And, like, Jackie Childs is an iconic yeah. character as well. And who could forget those Miri kids? Yeah, <laughs> I wish I could. It's true. Actually, if, if I had to... Uh, so if you could erase one episode from history, is it Miri or and the children shall lead? Miri. Okay. The season two finale that was them trying to <laughs> pilot a new show. Yeah, yeah. Would be the one I would Assignment yeah. Earth. Yes, that that's one. it. I knew it was something Earth. I just couldn't think of the I was like, Expedition Earth? No, that ain't it. Like, all the uh, other ones are at least Star Trek. Yep. Mm, fair but enough. yes, if I could erase two, <laughs> it would be that and Miri. Uh, oh, so, okay. So we talked a little bit about the B-plot in the intro. Oh, but no. um, yeah. not, not more B-plot. Yeah. So I so one thing is I I feel like the the implication at least is that Keiko is naive, but we're just completely discounting the possibility that she knows exactly what she's doing. Nice. She just wants a divorce <laughs> or I mean, a three way. Yeah, or maybe I don't Why know. Maybe both? just the attitudes towards 
sects are different in the future. I don't yeah. know. It's just like, hmm, Miles seems stressed. Kira seems stressed. Man. Yeah. I, I don't enjoy really want to have sex with either of them. No, I did enjoy I mean, the beginning. Dr. Bashir beamed my vagina into Takira, so... Oh, dear I don't God. Think, I don't think That's her vagina cer- went anywhere. The, the whole thing. He Jake, just do you need me to tell you about where how babies whole, happen? That whole system. So Keiko lays an egg. No. Um, <laughs> the, be- the very, very beginning, we have Bashir trying to listen in to hear yeah. Miles and what he assumes is Keiko having one of their typical spats. Yeah. You know, as they are wont to do, and like especially known for. And I then do learns like how that, Quark no, fucked with them. Miles just fights with any woman who's in his quarters, evidently. No, the other O'Briens. Yeah. What other O'Briens? So um, here's the thing. This is where my Cyrano de Bergerac idea yeah. kind of came from, which is I felt like they're showing us Quark's hearing is really good to remind us that he can fucking hear everything. Yeah. I would have like... I was like, oh, I remember turning to Chris at one point, and I was like, this is how they're going to make it even more Cyrano de Bergerac. Worf's going to be, like, whispering shit in the next room, and Quark's going to be like, uh, yeah, uh, burr, 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 like, doing whatever, because he can hear really fucking well. That's what I thought was going to happen. Mm. But I'm glad, I'm one, I'm glad I was wrong, and I'm glad that we got what actually happened, because it was much more interesting. It's true. But I felt very clever for about eight seconds. Yeah. Also, I mean, the B-plot here was... Stupid. I mean, it appeared to me to be completely bolted on. Like, mm. there was no overlap at all between those plots. Love. Everyone's like, in well, love. Well, no, but I mean, just like, in terms of like, like, you could you could just have put this in a different episode and it wouldn't have changed anything. Yeah, yeah no. I agree. We should have seen Keiko go to Medbay at the end, also all injured as fuck. Saying, I got Ooh. in a fight with Kira over my man. <laughs> and then we ended up having sex. It was really <laughs> weird. <laughs> No, but, yeah, I wasn't a I, fan of the B-plot. I thought it was kind of dumb. I mean, the thing is, like, I feel like it's something that, in this absolutely bizarre science fiction situation they've been thrown into, it's something that theoretically could happen, and I guess, you know, they've they've now addressed it, and it can go away. Certainly, I think, to Jake's point, if there's anything that would have been Gene's vision, it would have been Keiko just being like, whatever, just fuck each other, that's fine. Good God. There was a moment when, when Miles is giving her the, the massage that he vanishes behind her and oh, yeah, is and doing he's like a move. Oh, yeah, working his arm in. It's, it totally looked yeah. like and it's Yeah, it would make a way better gif than the pulling the spike out of Ducat's ass that I've seen as a gif. Because mm. this one was just profoundly explicit. Yeah. It was, it was, it was very fisting y. The whole, I mean, oh, God, it was such an awkward plot because it's like, oh, this is awkward um and like yeah i mean i just i guess i I, it i don't know how much sense it makes like i think it's more the situation than anything else because like i mean you know we know miles is into women and he's not dead and kira is dead Ah. hot so like that makes sense i i guess kira like for her no offense to call meanie you know he's you know not traditionally handsome, I'd say. Um, Poor Colmini. But at the same time, I feel like personality-wise, they have enough in common that it kind of makes sense. I mean, they, they both hate Cardis. They're both <laughs> bullheaded as fuck. Well, I mean, like, she, she was a freedom fighter. He came up through Starfleet during a war. So, like, he's got more in common with her than she does with other Starfleet officers who came up through, like, 
the Academy and maybe you've never really seen battle or anything like that. Yeah, but like, none of these things come up in the episode. Like, no, that's true. There's so it doesn't mean nothing that serves as the impetus, except yeah. that they've been hanging out together a lot. And women and men who hang out together a lot don't just automatically become a romantical. No, that thing. is, that is true. Like they didn't build up to it well enough in that regard. You know, like uh, uh, it's like, and they're just mostly expecting, like, well, of course they're going to. They've been touching each other a lot. And it's like, I mean... Well, it's not even necessarily that they're in love. Maybe they are just horny. Mm. Yeah. You know? Because, again, hormones. Yeah. I mean, and plus, Keiko's you know, like... Ke- yeah. Yeah. Keiko, Keiko is, is, is probably, you know... I can't imagine... Just she, knowing what we know of her personality, I don't think that she's probably... She might still be healing from having the baby torn out of well, her. Well, there's also that... But at the same time, I mean, as you see, I was about to say, like, it's like she's sitting there with, well, Miles, one one plus side of all this is uh, done early. But no, you're right. Her she, I mean, the superficial healing has happened, but God knows what else might be going on in there. And like like I said, her vagina is inside Kira. We know that. Jesus, wow. That's 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 how babies are. Miles, get out. He hears that all uh, the time, though. And, you know, Kira's boyfriend is elsewhere. So, yep. I don't know. Maybe they're just both a little a little thirsty. I don't know. It was funny how sort of over-the-top romantic the place they were going to go was. <laughs> it gets worse. There's gets a worse. view. There's a, there's a hummingbird that, when you think about it, hot, like stops flapping in midair because time <laughs> freezes. Oh, no. Oh, God. Uh, all right, I'll give it that. Better love story than insurrection. Yeah, fair. <laughs> um, there's, there's a view, and it's 100 miles from anybody. Yeah. Oh, fuck. What was, what was even more Jesus. romantic was... Um, a sex swing. No, not that. Was uh, Quark's right of proclamation, which I thought yeah. was great. Yeah. We have to stop yeah. the fight so I can tell you you're gorgeous. <laughs> And then, and then, like how it ends, just because they fix the machine. Yeah. And like, oh, well, well yep, uh, it, guess uh, we'll fight we... again. <laughs> he did a pretty yeah. good job in those few moments, like the few moments where he wasn't sure what Worf was doing, of looking like he was getting pulled. Oh, and yeah. I guess I'll uh, give this to you. <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, Shimmerman hired a mime to help him out with that scene. But he couldn't just ask Renee. I was just gonna buddies. say he works with a mime. What the fuck? I don't know. Renee was busy, maybe. Dude, holy shit, that scene between Odo and Kira. Yeah. I thought it was so funny. Like, he must have taken a master class in sass since he became mm. solid because he was serving it up. Oh, Miles. I think that's what, it, like, becoming a humanoid, he's now picking up on stuff that maybe he wouldn't have before. Mm. Yeah, dog, he's a sarcastic prick. I kind of love it. He's got sass and he loves carbonation bubbles. Perfect man. <laughs> Dude. But I just I really enjoyed that. Also, it's it uh it's <laughs> he was talking about oh the problem's not with the with whatever it's with our chief of operations and I said uh uh-uh, uh it's operations <laughs> like oh. O'Brien ah uh. hey listen that killed last night it so did. I'm just saying but then again my audience was Chris and I'm he sorry, liked Chris. Times Arrow I so. specifically <laughs> asked her to say it on air because it gave me a well, giggle yeah, he's like please maybe our that. listeners like it. Nope. Uh, <laughs> cut that. Cut that joke. Aww, nope. Leave it in. Sorry, Caitlin. Oh, no. That's okay. I don't care. It's just hard to recapture something that was funny in the moment. True. Yeah, I mean, true. part of it, of course, is the spontaneity and the timing. Truth. 
So good joke all around. Yeah. Nice. Nice house. <laughs> what, I, anything else? I thought that Quark should have just hired Garrick to go assassinate Thopak. <laughs> Accidentally forgets which, which assignment he's on, kills Quark, <laughs> sees what he's done, then also kills Tho- Thopak. <laughs> he's like, fine, my work here is done. <sighs> just goes on a spree after that. <laughs> a simple tailor. Yeah, because we didn't... It's actually too... Uh, well... I was going to say it's too bad. I actually tend to think that directors directing themselves is a little silly, but I'm mm. still a little bummed we didn't get any Garrick. I'm always bummed when we don't have Garrick. And we only got the tiniest slice of a Cisco. Too, oh, remember? yeah, he showed up yeah. just to he chuck a ball at Dax. Here's yep. the ball. Oh, Worf's in love? Huh. Well, wonders never cease. Exit stage left. Yeah. Like, that was basically it. But Like, he came out to do something, was so surprised by the news, he forgot what he'd come out to do and just walked away. Maybe he just came jambalaya. out to throw the ball at uh, Dex. We mm. don't know. What did you say, Ames? I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. Oh, he has to go stir the jambalaya. Mmm. Add some extra spice. Spice is nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we also, the la- my last thing I wanted to bring up is we had some excellent physical acting from Morn. Yeah. When- he got shoved. I will apologize for this later as Worf just like knocks him off the stool. Yeah, just throws him off the stool. And I think we see Morn's legs like stick up in the air. Like, Damn, <laughs> you can do a lot whilst under all that makeup. I was going to say, when he fell, I, it, it occurred to me. I was like, it is more obvious to me than ever that he just has like a big lump of padding on his body. And I think it was something about how he fell. I was just like, oh, well. Yeah, there is, there is a mat there, but it was still fun. It his, was fun. His body is supported by a series of fluid-filled bladders. Hot. Oh, As in, for all shit. we know, Morn doesn't have a skeleton. God, he must. He can sit up straight. Don't you need a skeleton for that? No, you just need a series of fluid-filled bladders like him. Like I prefer to believe he has a skeleton. Probably. But yeah, overall, good episode. Yeah. This is the last time we see Grilka, though, right? Yeah. That's Probably. too bad, you know? That means it didn't work out. Aww. Yeah. Well, maybe. Maybe they're pen pals. Long distance, you know. Yeah, they just have phone sex every so often. Hell yeah. Now throw yourself against the wall! Okay! <laughs> I mean, and we, I think we can assume that for the rest of the series, any time Quark isn't on screen, he's off somewhere having sex with Grilka. Nice. Is he taking I'm a down. trip to Kronos? No, she oh. lives on the station. There we go. The, she moved to the station. We can do whatever we want, really. All the time. I'm in. Headcanon's a fun place to live. I accept this headcanon. So are we shuffling off to war then? Yes, yeah. Um, oh no, not war. Star Trek. Uh, Star, Star Trek, Trek mash. mash. Yes. I started uh, I started whistling the theme in the middle of the episode. I felt really bad, actually, because Chris was like, oh, this is like mash. And I was like, yeah, obviously. And then I was like, oh, sorry. I figured that out as soon as they said but they were like... this is like movie mash and not yeah. series mash. As soon as he said, like, surgery under fire, I was like, oh, it's fucking mash. So sorry again. I'm ap- I'm apologizing to you in front of our tens of tens of listeners. Why are you apologizing? Because I, I was like... Because I was kind of like, yeah, duh, it's obviously mash. And Chris was like, oh, I, I just thought of it. And I was like, oh, sorry. Yeah. I realized oh. it a long time ago. That's all. I just felt like a dickhead. This is movie mash. <laughs> I haven't actually Renee seen Renee Arbizon Wa. Yeah, weirdly seen... enough. Oh my god, can we do MASH? That's a 10 forward. Why? 
Because Rene Aubergine was in it. Is we he painless? Just, we can't no, just pen forward oh, that's right. because an actor is in them. Oh, yeah, I'll... we can. And now there's even a MASH tie-in episode. Come on. Okay, I'll take that episode off. Oh. No, I like MASH. I disagree oh, that oh, we should you... be covering it. We don't have to. I'm just kidding. It's fine. All right. So, second episode this week was Nor the Battle to the Strong. In this episode... Julian is doing what Julian does best, which is being an arrogant sod. And <laughs> like uh, Jake is pretending to enjoy listening to him, which he's not as good at, but he did serve great face. Jake is writing a profile about Bashir, and he went with him to like a conference. And on their way back to Deep Space Nine, they get a distress call from Agilon Prime. Is that how you say that? Probably. Agilon Prime? Sounds right. And... There's like a settlement that's under fire by the Klingons and they have a little mash unit in like a cavern of some sort. You know, they get there and they're like, oh, Bashir, you're a doctor. Great. Time to do triage. And Jake winds up kind of being pulled in to help as well. You know, he's lugging bodies. He's checking life signs. He's doing mash type shit. People die. It's really horrific. You can Mm. see that Jake is struggling right from the start and it kind of only gets worse i was like this kid is gonna need so much fucking therapy after this they finally finish with the triage after several like bloody scenes and lots of jake freaking out a little bit voiceover land type stuff I'm trying to think i i'm not really like super i i don't super remember like the order of things but i know at some point i think this is next they're having generator problems so bashir is like well let's go and get the generator from the runabout so they go out to do that, but just then shelling starts. Bashir and Jake are separated, primarily because Bashir is knocked out and Jake runs the fuck in the other direction, which I don't blame him. Oh, yeah. Uh, he stumbles upon a dying soldier who basically calls him a pussy before he dies. Um, And then Jake like feels even worse because he's like, wow, this soldier died. And also he made me feel even worse about running away from my friend. He finally gets back to the base uh, there, or the mobile hospital, or whatever. It's not mobile, but uh, it's, a, it's a sash. It's a static whatever thing. Anyway, so he arrives. They're like, oh, thank God. We're really glad. Bashir's in ICU. He feels even worse. Then, like, over dinner that night, the the other, like, nurses and doctors are, like, joking about, oh, would you rather be, like disintegrated with uh you know klingon what the fuck are they called disruptors do you want to be disrupted or do you want to be like bat left (laughs) and they're like well disruptors of course because it's less painful and buddha 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 and jake has a little freak out and tells them all they're dickheads and no one's ever going to even remember this happened bashir's like hey chill buddy so eventually, you know, they've been waiting for the klingons to sort of invade the space they finally do everybody runs and like is trying to get everybody out Jake kind of gets caught in some fire and from behind hiding behind a desk does some random shooting, which leads to a cave in, which stops the Klingons from getting in, lets everybody escape safely and gets him buried under some fucking rubble. But thankfully, uh, everything's fine. He wakes up. Cisco has arrived with the Defiant and everybody's out safe and Jake's a hero. And he writes an article about the whole situation and admits, like, feeling cowardly and all of his feelings and all the stuff and his beautiful profile. And his dad is like, that's great. I love you. I'm so proud of you. Yay. The end. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. And Chirac did a great fucking job all episode long. 
Yeah, yeah, he was great. Chris was like, yeah, they found out he could act in the in uh, the visitor, so they were just like, let's give him some more hard work. And yeah, no, he was great. Yeah, I good mean, on them. Good on them for like having a Jake episode, which you don't you don't yeah, think is going to happen a lot. lot. We don't get not only do we not get a lot of Jake episodes, we don't we just don't get a lot of episodes with Jake. Period. Not yeah. anymore. He's definitely around cast. less now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he probably shows up less than Garrick in the last, you know little while. I he is say. so tall now. Dude, <laughs> his legs are like two-thirds of his body, which was especially apparent in his little nurse getup they had him in. I was like, this kid has fucking legs almost all the way up to his chin. It's wild. <laughs> He's just super leggy. It's legs crazy. for days. Yeah. But not like in a creepy way, just in a holy shit, you're like eight feet tall and six of those feet are legs. <laughs> which is unusual. Like, I was saying this last night and it's not interesting, but I've already committed... <laughs> um, women tend to have longer legs and shorter torsos and guys tend to have longer torsos and shorter legs, hmm. like just like proportionally. So it was like, wow, he is just very leggy. Of course we had, uh, you know, before shit got dark, we had the opening, uh, quark to Gino scene. That was oh, very yeah. new. Which, uh, again, like with, with Odo's development, he was so pleased with, with quark to Gino, like the, the huge grin he had. After he was kind of doing like that. a right, right yeah. guys to other people, and they were into it. He was very proud. But just just as Julian could not cure Bajoran natal sneezing overnight, Quark cannot decaffeinate Ractagino overnight. No, which is weird. Like, so they say Ractagino is Klingon coffee, right? Yeah, but I'm assuming it's not coffee. As no, in, it's Ground not the same. The stuff that we think of as coffee. It's well, gotta it might be, be some, ground beans, just not. It's probably the just like we know. the closest thing Klingons have to coffee. You know, it is it's a still it blood. A, it's a warm caffeinated beverage. Yeah, that Klingons drink. Like some some trader, you know, D E R. Um, sent you know, a couple centuries back, they were like, "So what is this stuff?" He's like, "It's Klingon, like." Coffee, for lack of it, you know, and that just stuck. Yeah, yeah it doesn't translate it, to to human. Because yeah. decaffeinating coffee is something we've mastered already. Like we've known how to do that for probably I don't know when decaffeinated coffee was invented, but probably half a century now at least. But it does taste different, right? No, not particularly. I don't find no. it tastes different. Actually, no, there it mustn't have because I. <laughs> I apologize if I've said this before, but I remember I worked in a uh, shitty little coffee and bagel shop in uh, college, and uh, I remember one of the first things I was told was like, look, if we ever run out of regular, just use decaf. No one will notice. Well, they I were very careful. I heard somewhere huh? that most coffee, sh- that like, you know, like a McDonald's or, or whatever, will make all of their coffee in the evenings decaf because it's not worth making a cup of regular because people don't order regular in the evenings as much. Yeah, that So makes even sense. if you order a regular coffee in the evening, you're probably getting decaf. Yeah. They were, just in case anyone's worried, they were very... They then immediately was like, but never ever use regular instead of decaf. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I wonder how often just where people have gone, yeah, where you've just been like, you, you think you're getting regular, and you're right, you're, you're getting decaf. I honestly don't think I'd know the difference because I don't really, I don't find that caffeine does a ton for me anyway. So I feel like if I had coffee and it was decaf, I would never know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, you know, maybe yeah. there must be something about the nature of like. 
the Ractagenos beans. just makes it makes it Harder. difficult to do it. Yeah. Maybe Ractagino is just pure caffeine. Yeah. yeah. That so would make sense actually for Klingons. Take I, I also don't the... know like why if you like because they're always getting Ractagino out of the replicator. So it is a replicated thing. Caffeine is a known molecule. So they couldn't just say to the computer, make me a Ractagino with no caffeine. Maybe in that's it. what Quark did and it didn't work. Mm. Just tastes like mud water. <laughs> I love that we sort of had a little tie-in from the last episode, too, I feel like, where Miles was still kind of doing a little, like, Kira babysitting. Yeah. And was like, oh, it can't be that bad. And he's like, oh, this is fucking horrible. Oh, yeah. I wrote, I wrote down, ooh, pregnancy star- snark. What did Kira say? I wrote down that she was being snarky, but I didn't write down what she said. Oh. About direct Gino? About Miles, maybe. I don't remember now. All I remember, but I loved, really I loved from, how she was doing it. All I really remember from that scene is when Quark said, "Like you know, they consider they consider uh, the the baby to be like a, a lessee. Like oh, they're yeah. renting the body space." So Chris and I got into a debate about this, and we were like, "So like, who's leasing it?" And I was like. I believe he means that the baby is leasing the space, and at some point we'll have to pay several strips yeah. of latinum to repay that debt to their born, parent. You're just born with debt. Yeah, I think I remember what Kira said. Kira said to Miles, Miles' response about that, of saying like, oh, well, my baby, rah, 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 rah. Oh, yeah. And I, think, I think she said something to the effect of, oh, is the baby in your uterus? <laughs> well, yeah, 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 Keiko had Molly. Yes, that's right. That's, that's right, what it that's was. Right. <laughs> I've already had a baby. Yeah, because you haven't had any babies. Because Dax, Dax said, "Why does pregnancy always make men neurotic?" That's right. You're right. Yeah, a little little clap back. So, yeah. does that mean that she's taking classes from Odo or vice versa? <laughs> I think Odo. She's always had sort of a a little sass. Yeah, so too. she's probably taking classes. He's probably taking classes from her. Yeah. I liked in this episode that we still see a little bit of Odo adapting to being solid. That was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, uh, hurt himself. yeah he like fell off, jumped off the stairs or something. Poor I'm going to turn you in, bro. Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I just pulled by everything. <laughs> I thought it was, uh, the only thing that sucked was like, you know, Cisco, of course, is having this conversation with him. And at the time... He's like super worried about Jake because he knows the situation he's in, which is mm. in, he's in a hospital that's like actively under siege or at least in a, a battlefield type situation. And he's got Odo being like, wow, you solids are fragile as fuck. Yeah. And Cisco's like, yup. Uh, on the other hand, though, I did like Dax's story. Yeah, I loved it. Mm. Like, like about the, this the is, child. This is when I really started noticing like, damn, Terry Farrell has improved like well. Yep. So yeah. much. She was like legit crying during this delivery, right? Because she was talking about was it she had a child who was like in a coma, and uh, the, was that her, right? Her daughter Nima, who was Audrid's daughter, Audrid being the the facet that was portrayed by Quark. Mm. She had a daughter who had a Rugalon fever. Uh, okay, yeah. Oh yes, as it says in the verbs <laughs> or the noun section here of the chat. But yeah, she, and she's telling him, you know, like, I would just, you know, sit by her bedside and read to her. I wasn't yeah. even sure if she could hear me, but it was something to do. Yep, yep. And, you know, and Cisco's like, and how was she? She's like, oh, yeah, she recovered. 
And Cisco it was like said something like if there had been an unhappy ending to the story, I would have been very mad at you, old man, or like it was something like that. I, yeah. I would have spaced you immediately. <laughs> keep but keep it was, the symbiote though. <laughs> but, to the finny tube with her. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Jettisoned. Yeah, that was a very uh, sweet scene. It was. It was really nice. And again, Terry just brought really like real emotion, like real tears type of situation and just thought it was really lovely. I, I really like them together. And I'm glad that we're seeing... Because I feel like in the beginning, when Terry Farrell was terrible, we saw them together all the time. And now I feel like she often gets kind of paired... Like, we still see them together a little bit. But I feel like Dax kind of gets paired up a shitload now, obviously, with Worf. Though not in this episode, I don't think. I don't feel like we saw them together at all. But she's usually, like, you know, sort of dating Worf. Kind of, like, best friends with Julian. And, like girl chat with with Kira. So I feel like we haven't seen quite as much yeah. Cisco Dax stuff and I just I don't know, kind of miss it, especially now that Terry is showing her true strengths. Her spots. On on the downside, do they go all the way down? No. <laughs> uh, on the downside, I feel like we didn't have quite the quality of extras we always needed in this one. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of the the uh the orderly Kirby Oh, the oh. really young one. Yeah, the young, yeah, the young kid. Like, when he I was talking, ki- I want to call him Sparky or something. Yeah, there was a moment where he was talking about things getting killed and like banged up bad, and he just seemed excited about it. And I was like, "What the mm. fuck is wrong with this guy?" Well, yeah, sociopath. Like, <laughs> yeah, he was like a little like I get there. They've been told like, "All right, so the idea here is like you've all been dealing with this stuff for ages. You're kind of." Not immune to it, but you've got, like, it's MASH, you know? They kind of, they protect themselves from it via gallows humor and stuff like that. But, yeah, he maybe was a little too glib. I think it was the acting. I think it was mostly that his acting was just off. But then there was also even, like, Johnny Shoots himself was a little stiff. A little bit. Like, I would would have liked a better actor in that role. And then Burke was just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But oh. I don't know. I thought I thought that was the guy that was dying. Yeah, uh, that Jake encountered. Mm. Yeah, yeah. He did, he was a that was a weird, very he weird. Got, the actor reminded me of a different actor. Mm. Oh, I feel like there was some like total recall boiling on the hmm. on the planet surface. Something going on there. <laughs> yeah, he's in the middle of dying. fucking crazy eyes. Yeah, he's in the yeah. middle of dying. What do you expect out of a character like that? He had, he had he gave me like Gary Busey vibes. Oh god, mm. maybe that's who it is. See, I, I looked him up because I thought I recognized him, and um, I don't think I did. Like he actually has been in stuff I've seen, but I doubt this is what ticked. I think like you, Jake. I just he reminded me of like ten different people. Yeah, he was, however, you know, for things I would have seen, he was the how many art- Batman's. <laughs> no, he was the art museum security guard in the Mister Bean movie that Mister Bean. Let's be honest, kills with laxative. Like, they don't show him die in the movie, but the dose Bean gives him probably killed him off screen. I'm so sorry. <laughs> God, that's what it has been this whole time. Mr. Bean isn't just a funny mute. He's a fucking murderer, and he's using his weirdo charms to get to people and kill them. Mr. Just- Bean. Mr. Bean's a changeling. He was an early... Very early agent. That's why his face looks like that. Yeah, he sows chaos 
starting as early as the late 20th century. Mm. Oh, you know who you know who he was reminding me of that, oh, Burke? that actor. Sorry, the, the 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 dying man. Yeah, Burke. Yeah. The actor, I don't know the actor's name. He's been in a lot of shit. He played Shooter McGavin in um Oh, in, oh and he that was, guy. In he Happy was Gilmore. in um the guy who was Castillo. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The Enterprise C. Yes. I can kind of see that. I always forget that that's the same guy because yep. I, I always associate that actor with Shooter McGavin. <laughs> yeah, which is totally different than Castillo. Yeah, because he's such a different character. Funny, funny. I did love up. So Chief Burke's like dying line yeah. is so bleak. It's like yeah. something to the effect of I didn't hear the first word. I think it was something like life doesn't work like that. Yeah. And then he dies and Jake realizes, OK, so, yeah, it doesn't work like, you know, everyone gets their comeuppance and everyone gets their chance to, like, make up for mistakes they've made. Sometimes people just die. It's kind of like, you know. It's having him go, this ain't a TV show, kid, without him actually using those words. Mm. Which is good, because fuck. Because, yeah, no, if they put it that way, it'd make me want to just... This isn't uh, MASH. Oh, wait, in MASH, this would, <laughs> this would happen all the time. Well, yeah. the th- a thing that I thought was very MASH-like was our soldier who shot himself in the leg mm. Uh, mm. to get out of active duty. Because there are there's at least one episode I can think of specifically in MASH where that happens and it's like a big deal. Yeah. But it looked to me like at the end he was one of the ones who like sacrificed himself trying to give them time to get out. I was pretty sure it was him. I didn't get a great look, but there was like a woman who was shot and then there was him. And mm. if if I'm correct and it was him, I'm sort of glad he had a chance to sort of a little redemption. Yeah. yeah, life doesn't work like that. Well, that's the thing. It's kind of funny because he actually does get to have a redemption thing, and Jake accidentally gets to have one by yeah. like Jake accidentally shooting the ceiling out. Yeah. If that was him, I didn't notice, and I never, and I didn't read about it anywhere. What I did read was that because they were just so good at filming this episode that they filled it in such, such a tight way. That they had like eight, like a, like several minutes, sh- be uh, short in film. Oh no. oh no! So like because they realized, oh shit, we're running short. Um, we need to, we need another scene somewhere, and they added in the middle of filming. They added the scene, the the second scene. We see with the soldier where Jake and him both kind of confront the the cowardly oh, wow. nature of of mm. what they just did. We're which, both a couple of pussies, yeah, huh? Which is a, is a very integral scene of the episode, so it worked out yeah, great. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Something that, uh, you know, not to be the 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 guy that does the, eh, new Trek bad. That but doesn't I, sound anything like you, Jake. I know. <laughs> um, but, like, I couldn't help but notice, like, you know, so this is a, this is a war episode. What is it uh, good for? But, but, yeah. Ask me. Absolutely nothing. That was, I loved that. Didn't I, know, um, I didn't need it. No, I know okay. you didn't, but I just thought it was funny. Okay, sorry, I mean, go on, Jake. I, I could only assume that Quark was deliberately quoting a song that he had heard. Maybe. And, Classical music. And like Looking was for like love trying in all the be, wrong places. He, he was, he was pulling, pulling an, an Elaine, you know, where she told that Russian author that that, that was the original title to War and Peace. What? You ever, there's a Seinfeld oh. episode where... Jerry tells Elaine that as like a joke, and then she's meeting up with some Russian author, and uh, she's like, you know, trivia, War and Peace was originally titled War, What Is It Good For? And he got really pissed. <laughs> it was, it's funny. I should watch Seinfeld. We, I never watched Seinfeld because it was a show that I think my parents weren't fans of. 
So we just never watched it when I was a kid. I watched it. It's coming to Netflix next year, supposedly. Oh, neat. Oh, it's already on one of them, though. I watched it all streaming. I think it streaming. might be on Hulu. Um, oh, maybe that's right. Well, I watched I watched into season nine, but I gave up because season nine is kind of a shit show. And I already know the ending sucks, so I just gave up. But the first eight seasons are solid. Yeah, there's a couple good good things in season nine. But I, yeah, I don't know. It kind of goes downhill, I think, after Larry David left. Just, you know, it hmm. got a little flanderized. Oh, that's a shame. But, I mean, it's still good. There's still a lot of gems after after he left. But anyway, what I was saying, the new Trek comparison. Oh, yeah, that's right. You know, just that, you know, this is a war episode, but there's hardly any battle scenes. You know, there's not there's not a lot of action. Mm. There's some shelling. Yeah, there's the shelling. And then there's the final assault at the end where there's like two Klingons walk in and, you know, get two Klingons that were trained at the Imperial Stormtrooper Shooting <laughs> Academy. Nice. Um, but, I, you know, I, I just feel like this episode... A, they wouldn't make an episode like this on Discovery or, or Picard or anything. But I also just think it would have been mostly an action episode. Probably. Because when they have had like these things where like, oh yeah, you know, the the war and you know, people getting killed, it's it's always in the context of a giant action set piece. Whereas I feel like this episode works really well because it's not a giant action set piece. The action is off screen. Yeah. And it's we're a character getting, show. It's, it's a, a character yeah. show. Yeah. We're getting the aftermath of the um you know, of this 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 war and we're actually seeing, oh, war isn't like exciting and adventure and you know, it's it's not explosions and hero heroism, it's being frightened and mm-hmm. hiding yeah. and trying not to get killed what and then watching other people get killed. And having a it from the point of view of a civilian helps, you yeah. know. I actually like also got... really, I, I also really like that there isn't really a B plot to get distracted by. No, the only kind the, the quasi B plot we get is Cisco going to Jake. Yeah, to go get him, which is perfect. It fits. It fits like a fucking glove, and it doesn't like detract from all the great stuff that we're seeing from Jake. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's there, yeah, there's there's no Miles and Kira might have feelings for each other plot that would be oh, that was too be bad stupid. they definitely could have just bolted that one onto this one <laughs> that would have been a perfect offsetting war got you down how about some romantic hijinks Quark I mean, imports a new kind of nut and shenanigans happen <laughs> but yeah I thought it was super good this episode yeah very I, very very good and I again I'm a gigantic Mash fan people may I feel like this came up years ago when I was watching it. So yeah, I liked I liked that. It felt like it was a pretty obvious inspiration for the episode and I thought like you said Jake, I mean it shows you like the true horror of war and the true mm-hmm. like nature of it that it's yeah. not like fucking fun times. It's yeah. death yeah. everywhere. There was a bunch of great inspirational pieces for this episode. Like it's it's very Hemingway-esque, like a of the sun also rises, which is great. It's very all quiet on the restored front and they they added some homages to the red badge of courage. Uh, and I also mm. read that originally it was gonna, going to be set in a Cardassian hospital, but they kind of realized a if they were all Cardassians, so much makeup, th- so, so too much, much makeup. Money. We would love to save money because Trials and Tribulations is coming up, and that's an expensive fucking episode. We need to be saving fucking money right now. But right, also, they must have had to rebuild like the whole everything, right? Yeah, that and also all the tech stuff that they had to put into it. Like, like it's gonna be. I, 
interesting when we talk about yeah, it. Yeah, they, brought, they busted out the Forrest Gump tech for yeah. that. Yeah. But show. also, if they had been in a Cardassian hospital, like one of the things that would be one of the tensions in the episode wouldn't just be, you know, war is terrifying. It would be, I don't understand how these Cardassians specifically work. Yeah. Like they have a different way of viewing like medicine or something. Yeah, I think having it be humans, well, a human, Starfleet, I guess, mm. not specifically humans, yeah, but Starfleet was important. Um. And also, you know, in in the fact that most of the dead and dying we see are humans, or or at least most of the ones that uh that Jake interacts with are humans, I think, you know, kind of brings yeah. that into focus. You also for don't him end up, yeah, you don't think of them also as the other. You think of them as yeah. also you. Yeah. Like I could my also te- be my this team guy. is losing shit. So, you know, we've talked about little bit. We seem to have seen now Federation ground forces. Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, like the they seem to have their own those. uniform. They didn't have the Delta, so they're not Starfleet. They have hoppers instead of shuttlecraft. Like, yeah. Well, I'm guessing they like because I was under the impression that that's kind of what O'Brien did hmm. during mm. the Cardassian War. Can someone, can someone war? tell me what a hopper is? I honestly was just like transport. I think. Yeah, but probably one that doesn't can't break atmosphere. Or if it breaks yeah. atmosphere, it can't break orbit. Oh, yeah, it's okay. probably not a warp-capable thing. It's probably ju- it's like a box that you can put, like, you know, those, those D-Day landing boats, those amphibious... Yeah, I was just saying, duck boat. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, well, I was, I was kind of thinking, especially because of all the MASH comparisons, it's, it's basically a chopper. Yeah. Got it it got even it. Yeah, sounds like, like chopper. Yes. Yeah. yeah. First yeah, time I, they said it, I actually kind of wondered if they had said hopper, actually. Yeah, I imagine it was like just it's again. It's either doesn't break atmosphere or at the very least doesn't break orbit. Mm. Short, shorter range thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah, man. Yeah. I don't know. I really like this one. I'm kind of glad that even though he was there, it was not heavy on the Bashir. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, it did. It wasn't showing him dealing with this. Like we saw him deal with. Like this. Yeah. Like we We're already had the him Bash- cure war. Yeah. <laughs> just give him a couple weeks. Yeah, well, I mean, he, you know, we kind of saw already Bashir, you know, deal with this kind of shit in the quickening. Mm. Bashiring hard. Yeah, or, you know, dealing with the unwinnable situation. So we didn't need to see that again Yeah. Um, yeah. here. Yeah, very quick moment I liked with Bashir is when they were first starting to get shelled, his first priority was protecting Jake. Like, as they're getting shelled, he doesn't just hide and run. He specifically jumps on Jake. I was like, that's, yeah, that sounds about right. And how does Jake repay him? (laughs) (laughs) See ya! (laughs) The the scene that I liked with Bashir was when they're about to have dinner, and he's like, oh, I think I'll make an incision here (laughs) right at the joint, Uh... and Jake is like, bleh! And I was like, oh, there it is, because I kind of wondered how that would go, but I think Bashir definitely uh, pushed him over the edge. Mm. (laughs) Was it Bashir that said, I I wrote down a line, I think it was Bashir, there are many things that test a person's character. Most of them aren't life and death or whatever he said. Yeah, I think that was Bashir That was also. a good line. It was. We've had some good lines this week. Yeah, yeah, good week. Hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the last bit of note that I took down was that originally the Burke character, the guy dying in the hole, was originally going to be a, a Klingon, a blind Klingon. So when Jake falls in the hole with him, the Klingon doesn't realize he's a human for a while. Um, oh, interesting. And then they, they both kind of realize that they need each other to survive. 
a la that episode. With yep. say, it sounds like it sounds, it sounds like the enemy. O'Brien. The, was it with the Car- Cardassians? Romulans. Oh, right. Romulans. Damn it. Yeah, that was Geordi jo- and a Romulan. Geordi and the Romulan. Oh, dear. Fuck. Got all my people mixed up. Anyway. <laughs> but no, it has, yeah, it has happened before. And I think they also said, like, it should be someone on Jake's side so that at the very end, when after, you know, he's been in a hole with a Klingon for a while and the Klingons attack again so we don't feel, so that we continue to feel like they're still the enemy right now. Mm. Well, that and also if a Klingon's going to call you a coward, you're just like, whatever, you think everyone's a coward. (laughs) But when an insane dying ginger who wants to make sure he's dying staring at the sky and not the dirt says it, you go, oh, that kind of hurts. Yeah, it's like, I'm going to make this kid feel bad as my last act. What a dick. Listen, making a child cry was the last item on his bucket list. (laughs) He knew his time was limited. Yeah, don't don't die looking at the ground. Make this kid feel like shit. You gotta have priorities, you know. He's like, I never did get to France. Mm. Well, I can take another one off right now, anyway. All right. Anything else, anybody? Got nothing. Yeah. All right. Well, next week, we're gonna talk about two more Deep Space Nine episodes The Assignment, and as we Earth. alluded, Trials and Tribulations, which I'm really excited for. Trials and Tribulations, I think, was like the first. Deep Space Nine episode I ever saw. You remember I think it? Tri- I, and I think Trouble with Tribbles was the first TOS episode I ever saw. So that's interesting. It's basically tradition now. <laughs> but yeah, so we look forward to talking about that next week. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more of A Star to Steer Her By, you can find us where all fine podcasts are sold. We are on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play slash YouTube music. I don't know. And uh, Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on the web on Facebook by searching A Star to Steer Her By. You can find us at SSHB Podcast on Twitter and Tumblr. And you can visit SSHBpodcast.com to check out our website, which, you know, depending on when you're tuning in, it could be a real website. It could just be a link to the Tumblr. Uh, yeah, that's it. Do those things. I have been Caitlin. I have been Jake. This has been Chris. And I have always been Ames. Okay, that's not true. (laughs) That's not true at all. No rules of acquisition this week, so... uh, Enjoy your Quark to Gino. Ah. Come to Quark's... Quark's is fun. (laughs) Come right now. Don't walk, run. Run! Yeah! (laughs) Whee!